Coming up on Transformers University. Previously, we spoke about Transformers in Japan in 1986, the toy line and the media, and now we are moving on to something very unique for the Land of the Rising Sun, and that is the manga and story pages from TV Magazine in 1986, right now on Transformers University. Hello, my friend, and welcome to episode number 65 of Transformers University. That's right, this show is now old enough to collect Social Security. I am your host, Anthony Brucalli, owner-operator Madman, behind TFU.info, the Toy Archive, the website, this podcast, the social media, and so much more. And today, we are continuing our look into 1986 in Japan for the Transformers brand. And previously we talked a bit about the toy line and all the sub-toy lines brought to you by Kabaya, as well as the uh, drastic difference in the media there because Transformers the movie was not brought over to Japan until 1989. So they had to fill in the gaps. They had to figure out how to uh, keep the story up to date uh, to lead kids of the late 80s in Japan into season three of the show. Now, if you're not familiar with TV magazine or manga or story pages, uh, I do want to refer you back to our previous episode on the topic for 1985, and that is episode number 28. Um, The long and the short of it uh, is that in Japan, in this magazine called TV magazine, there were manga, which are essentially comic books, and uh, story pages, which are just uh, one or two page drawings uh, that have a bit of story in them. Uh, They're not terribly consequential. The art is usually pretty gorgeous. There's lots of info on these pages, uh, but they're not considered manga, and they're very simple in terms of telling a story. Now, there's not a lot of information uh, about uh, these story pages online. Uh, They have been reprinted in a book called Transformers View Works, uh, which goes for at least $100 or more online these days, uh, and uh, has all this beautiful art from uh, Ben Megami, who is the artist we'll be talking about throughout this episode. So I am going to summarize a bit of the story pages off of what I could find on uh, TF Pulp. If you're not familiar with TF Pulp, those are posts uh, usually done by... uh, someone who goes by the name of Hydra, a gentleman by the name of Andrew Hall, who's uh, an old friend of the show and of mine. And uh, I have to get him on at some point. Uh, He knows so much about Japanese Transformers. He is an American uh, expat living in Japan and uh, does a lot to help bring over uh, modern Transformers into Japan. Now, what I've done here, like I said, I was cribbing basically what's on the wiki, what's on the uh, TF Pulp postings that still live on AllSpark. TF Pulp's website is no more. And uh, what I could find in terms of images. So uh, part six of the story pages, continuing from our previous episode, episode 28, uh, where we talk a bit about that, uh, was published in January of 86 and features the Autobot cars uh, fighting Devastator, those cars being Optimus, Trailbreaker, Ironhide, and Wheeljack. And that's about the long and short of it. So we're going to go through this real quickly. Um, Part 7 is the Stunticons and Aerialbots and a bit of Scramble City. And Part 8 has uh, some artwork of Menasaur versus Superion. 
Part 9 from April of 86 features Optimus fighting Megatron while Galvatron, yes, Megatron and Galvatron at the same time, is fighting Ultra Magnus. As I said, these stories were used to bridge the gaps between uh, the movie and, uh, well, the end of Season 2, I should say, and the beginning of Season 3 without the movie. So, in Japan, and as we mentioned in our Scramble City episode, uh, Galvatron exists uh, prior to Megatron, and so does Ultra Magnus. And those uh, story beats from the movie were kept under wraps by Hasbro, so that's why both of those toys are designated City Commander. Uh, so Takara did a lot to work from that, uh, using the term City Commander and uh, making Ultra Magnus and Galvatron uh, intrinsic to uh, the operations of uh, Metroplex and Trypticon. Part 10 from April of 88 features the mini-vehicles and uh, Optimus and the aerial bots, while Part 11 features uh, cassettes. Part 12 features some combiners, and Part 13 features a combiner fight. Part 14 is all about Trypticon, and Part 15 from that October is Optimus versus Motormaster, while Optimus and Ultra Magnus capture Galvatron. While Part 16 features Megatron, and a fight between the Autobots and Decepticons where, like, everyone is in the art. It's, uh, it's pretty sweet. And that takes everyone into the next year, um, well, the next year of Transformers, but in December of 86. Um, and it starts, and it starts with uh, part one, which is basically, hey kids, uh, Optimus Prime is dead, and Megatron is missing. And so, <laughs> this sits uh, in a very weird spot in the storytelling. And uh, that's where the year, calendar year of 86 ends for the story pages. Now, while I did dive into the December uh, 86 issue for the story pages, I'm going to hold off on the December 86 issue for the manga. Uh, because... Uh, the manga tells pretty much a complete story through November of 86, and I'm going to carry December's issue into the 87 manga issue when we get to it. Um, because that's where the story shifts from pre-movie and movie characters uh, interacting together to a uh, post-movie world. So on to the manga, where in issue one, published in 1986, uh, features mostly a season two cast and uh, it is written by Masumi Kaneda and drawn by Bam Megami. And uh, we've spoken about both of these uh, artists previously. And uh, worth noting here that they are both the writer and artist for all eight issues uh, that we will talk about today. And the manga stories feature some of the weirdest, craziest, and most fun stuff I've ever seen in uh, early G1 books, some things that will make you scratch your head, but still go, this is amazing and crazy all at the same time. So this issue begins with a Decepticon jet attack on Tokyo, where the Autobots arrive and a young boy is caught in the crossfire. Only to be rescued by Optimus Prime. Convoy. Right, right. I mean Convoy. And then Convoy says, quote, We are the Transformers. We have come from America, which apparently was an in-joke uh, because of the roundabout origins of the Transformers uh, being an American property imported from Japan and then re-exported back to Japan. 
Optimus passes this kid off to Smokescreen to bring him to safety, and just then Metasaur arrives. Uh, Smokescreen tries to distract him with some smoke, and the Autobots are losing, but this kid, he's got a plan. He tells the uh, Autobots to launch off a damaged freeway ramp, uh, transform, and attack Metasaur. Uh, this works, and the Decepticons retreat, and we find out the kid's name is Kenji. Optimus gives Kenji an Autobot helmet to contact them, uh, which is also available in stores. And we see this a lot in this uh, series of stories. Um, a little shine given to some roleplay items and some things that were available in Japan either that year or in upcoming years. And that takes us to issue two. So the uh, Autobots are now under attack in the United States. And one of the neat things in this artwork here is that Sideswipe is actually using his rocket pack. Bumblebee and Kenji are on patrol in Tokyo and they get attacked by Ravage. Uh, Bumblebee says he can't transform with a human inside, <laughs> so he cannot defend himself against Ravage. Just then, Powerglide swoops in to save the day, and Kenji hops into Powerglide. Bumblebee is then attacked by Soundwave and his cassettes, including Ratbat. Uh, Bumblebee flees, and the cassettes trail him. With uh, Soundwave closing in, Bumblebee sneaks up on him uh, with a kick, to the chest with a piece of artwork that can only be described as pretty damn awesome. Uh, it smashes his chest door and uh, Ironhide and Cliffjumper arrive. The uh, cassettes try to flee into Soundwave but they can't get his tape door open and are stuck in cassette mode. The Autobots, they capture the cassettes and I think it's Cliffjumper in the scene. He actually pulls the audio tape from beneath each of the cassettes to hold them hostage and wow, it's kind of a jerk move but man I've never seen that before in Transformers so that's pretty cool um, so yeah as you notice these stories are going by pretty quickly that's because they're only eight pages each so they're about half a comic per issue so on to issue three we start with Metroplex transforming into his battle station mode and Astrotrain along with the three bots that make up Reflector are spying and uh, they transform into camera mode to get some intel uh, they pass this along to Megatron, who plans to use the Dino Base, a.k.a. Trypticon, uh, to conquer Japan. Oh, and one thing I should mention here before I forget. Um, all the translations of these comics are available on tfarchive.com. Uh, so if you want to read along with me here, uh, all of these comics are available at tfarchive.com. And if you go to the individual pages on tfwiki.net for TV Magazine uh, and the manga for Fight Super Robot Transformers, uh, you will find uh, links to each uh, comic translation. So big shout out to the folks at TF Archive who have been doing uh, uh, doing this for a long time, translating uh, books into English. And one thing to remind you, if you are going to follow along, remember the pages go from right to left. So the word bubbles go from right to left and the action goes from right to left. Now, back on to issue number three uh so where did we leave off so yes so megatron gets these plans to use dino base aka trypticon to conquer japan the decepticons attack uh with an advance party and that being the insecticons but the autobots send in the four-wheel drive brigade and this is legitimately a uh, subgroup i've never heard of so the four-wheel drive brigade features uh hound trailbreaker Beachcomber, Outback, and Swerve. So uh, if you thought IDW was the first time you saw Swerve in comics, uh, you'll be corrected because he did show up here in Japan. And they arrived with Kenji uh, aboard. 
the Autobots attack, but find the area is rigged with landmines. Landmine! And the Autobots are trapped in the center. The Autobots are surrounded up top by the Insecticons, and magma down below them is flowing upward. How do they escape? Well, they form a robot pyramid. Uh, it's probably the best way I could describe it. I wanted to call it a human pyramid, but they're not human. So figure a human pyramid, but with robots. It has actually got a name. It's called the Robo Combination Scrum Buster. And uh, they climb out of the crater and attack. And they attack with a move called the Grand Dash and drive out the Insecticons. And this is one of those wacky stories I had mentioned earlier. These stories get wackier as we go. Um, and they're very unique to uh, this manga and to Japan. And they are both the craziest stories you'll ever read and the, some of the most fun I've seen in a long time. So, on to issue four. Optimus... Convoy. I mean, Convoy, is showing Kenji around the uh, Japanese base the Autobots have set up. Um, he tells them how humans guard these bases. Um that's weird to me because like how do how, they, they have these bases all over the world that they're building and they're guarded by humans how do the Autobots pay these humans and like how do they trust all of them to like show up to work on time there's a lot of logistics here that just um, mess with me here we also find out under the bases the Autobots are using a thing called the Autobot Road And apparently that's how they drive from one continent to another. And we see the Autobot Road and there are a lot of cars on it. So um, not sure how many Autobots are now on Earth or uh, if they're just letting regular traffic through. But it is uh, a traffic nightmare on the Autobot Road. Uh, we find out it was Ultra Magnus's idea. And Trax mentions that Convoy, a.k.a. Optimus Prime, thinks of Ultra Magnus as his kid brother. Just then the Decepticons attacked the city of Yokohana and... As I said, things get wacky. Uh, the attack is Blitzwing in tank mode with Starscream riding on the back of him and a gun attached to the top of Blitzwing's gun turret. And that is Megatron in gun mode at full size. So he doesn't shrink down in these images. Uh, it is called the uh, Super Megatron Gun by Megatron. And I imagine this was partially to sell the goodbye set. However, I'm not sure if the writer and artist were informed of what's there because what we see in the image is Megatron with his scope and his silencer and maybe his extra stock. Um, I'd have to go back and look. I'm going to use that as the thumbnail for this episode. So uh, just take a look at the artwork uh, either in one of my social posts or on YouTube, youtube.com slash tfuinfo. But Megatron in Japan wasn't available with these parts. Um, he was only available with his sword and his pellets. Uh, the scope was available in the Goodbye Megatron set that would be sold later that year, but the silencer and the uh, the extra stock was not. Uh, in the story, Warpath arrives and uh, tries to take Blitzwing head-on and gets wrecked. Convoy and Trax arrive and get blasted until Ultra Magnus arrives with Optimus's Convoy. Convoy's trailer. And uh, it opens to reveal a large gun, which they then fire. Uh, the Decepticons take to the air and Trax, with Kenji inside, flies up to fight them. The Decepticons begin to trail Trax, and Trax leads the jets directly into Megatron. Then, Convoy and Ultra Magnus attack with a special move called the Double Cross Kick. Oh, how very 
Japanese <laughs> these stories are in, in a very cool, fun way. And that uh, finishes off the Decepticons, the end. Issue number five. We start with the uh, Stunticons attacking a baseball stadium, and they form Menasaur. Kenji happens to be at this game with his girlfriend, and he radios the aerial bots and protectobots using his Superion watch. So, uh, as I mentioned before about roleplay items, there was a Superion uh, wristwatch available in Japan in 1988. It was later brought over to the United States uh, in 1992 or 93 for the beginning of Generation 2. So he actually uses this watch in the artwork to radio Superion. just then, Menasaur shoots out the stadium lights, and they catch fire. The Protectobots arrive, and Hotspot splits off to take care of the fire. Uh, Superion arrives as well, and the Protectobots then form Defensor once Hotspot is done tending to the lights. Just then, Bruticus arrives as well to even the odds. And at the bottom of this page, we get what's called the Info Bank, uh, which is a box detailing uh, all four combiners their limbs, their names, and mentions that they can form any limb that they want, which is very different than the previous combiner of Devastator, which had six members and could only have them form specific roles on the combined robot. And what do we get? We get a combiner fight. Uh, In the fight, Hotspot gets hurt, and the uh, Protectobots have to decombine. Kenji then hops aboard Groove and tells Superion to shoot out the Decepticon's legs. This forces their leg units off, and the Protectobots form the Decepticons robots legs and fly them off as the damaged limbs give chase and Kenji instructs them to drop the Decepticons off in the ocean the end um, and it's neat seeing here as, uh, as we see saw in the Scramble City OVA we uh, see it once again where the Autobots form other limbs to uh, the Decepticon combiners and use that to take control of the main robot So moving on to issue number six, Kenji is uh, visiting a uh, utopian-like island uh, with Sea Spray Hound and Perceptor on his summer vacation. Um, There's a stampede, and the Autobots find Constructicons, uh, who have two Autobots prisoner. Kenji uses his Ultra Magnus watch to contact Ultra Magnus, and yes, there was an Ultra Magnus watch available in Japan in 1988 and later in the U.S. as part of Generation 2. Optimus Convoy. Sorry, Convoy sends the aerobots to protect the island and the island's wildlife. And Optimus feels Slingshot is not one to protect the wildlife. So he makes him sit this one out and sends first aid instead. Uh, which is really neat. Um, not just because we've seen uh, Slingshot kind of be brash in the cartoon uh, about humanity and uh, the people and things on Earth but that they're really playing up the fact that any of the limbs can combine with any of the bodies uh, in uh, the combiners. On the island, the Decepticons plan to use the island as a home for Trypticon, and finally we see Trypticon transform into robot mode. The Aerobots arrive as Superion with first aid as his leg, and the Constructicons who are there combine. Uh, Devastator demands Superion face him, but this angers Trypticon, who is getting kind of possessive about the fight, knocks Devastator apart and attacks the Autobots. Just then, Metroplex arrives, and Superion detaches Air Raid to taunt Trypticon. Trypticon then charges Metroplex and runs right through him, because he is a hologram. Uh, Trypticon runs off a cliff and into the ocean, and we find out that 
the hologram was created by Hound uh, with his hologram projector through Perceptor's magnifying uh, viewfinder to make him the size of Metroplex. Kind of a neat trick there. Uh, kind of similar to the end of Heavy Metal War, um, but with a much larger robot. The Decepticons flee, and Kenji snuggles a baby cheetah. And that takes us to issue number seven. The Stunticons, with Autobot insignias, attack an industrial park. Uh, Kenji hears about the attack at school and argues with one of his classmates, a kid named Makoto, uh, who claims the Decepticons are the real heroes. Uh, and he shows off his Galvatron watch. And like we said earlier, these watches do appear in real life eventually. Kenji counters with his Ultra Magnus watch and then sulks home. He's picked up on the side of the road by Tailgate, and the two drive past what appears to be uh, a clan rally of sorts. <laughs> it's uh, men in Decepticon robes and pointy hats, and they're claiming the Autobots are their foes. Um, it's very, very bizarre. Uh, <laughs> and in the middle of this rally, the Stuntabots, as I'm going to call them, uh, arrive and attack. But at the same time, Optimus Prime, Convoy, excuse me, Convoy, Prowl Grapple, Inferno, and Hotspot arrive. The, uh, the two fire engines use their hoses to uh, wash the fake logos off the uh, Stunticons and Onslaught, who is also there. And uh, then Eject and Rewind are uh, ejected, for lack of a better term, from Prowl uh, in his vehicle mode and uh, attack. Uh, they shoot the robes off the uh, Klansmen, and uh, those Klansmen would be uh, Rumble and Frenzy, uh, the white power ones. And... Onslaught then orders the Stunticons to combine. Unfortunately, they can't do this because the limb portions of the Stunticons are fleeing. So, Onslaught and Motormaster combine. Yes, Onslaught and Motormaster combine uh, by Motormaster hopping on Onslaught's shoulders. They form the, quote, Decepticon Great Wheel and roll to attack the Autobots. And by roll, I mean they they literally roll like a circus act. Or you know what? More like um, kind of like Sonic the Hedgehog, I guess. They're rolling at a very high speed. Uh, the Autobots use the fire trucks and their ladders to uh, basically bat them around uh, and knock them towards uh, Convoy and Ultra Magnus, uh, who use a, a kick together uh, in a finishing move called the Prime Magnus Double Finish, um, which totally sounds like something much dirtier than it is and uh they are kicked all the way back to megatron and the decepticons and that is the end of issue seven like i said before these stories get crazier and crazier as we go and it takes us to the craziest one of all the final issue of uh this story arc and the last one we will be covering in this episode issue number eight and it begins with the Combaticons chasing a dog and shooting at a dog. And Brawl shoots the dog. <laughs> yes. He actually shoots this poor dog and wounds it. Uh, Powerglide sees all this going on from the air and wants to stop it. 
And we find out the Decepticons want this dog alive. Why? Because this dog holds some sort of super science power in him uh, that could blow up all of Tokyo, according to Megatron. So the Combaticons continue their chase. Powerglide lands and transforms and gets shot full of holes. And in his wounded state, he transforms and radios for help uh, and lets this dog climb into his cockpit. Uh, he tells the dog he can't fly, but that the, his vehicle mode will protect him. Uh, but the dog figures out how to operate Powerglide's controls and takes off. Just then, uh, the minibots arrive. And uh, Blastoff is, for some reason, worried. So, within Powerglide's cockpit, the dog hacks his computer that allows Powerglide to understand the dog. Uh, the dog is filled with this uh, immense energy, which he then uses to give to Powerglide to heal and sacrifices himself in the process. The energy is Scramble Power, which we've learned about in the uh, Scramble City episode and Powerglide orders the minibots to combine with him and they all do they combine in vehicle mode around Powerglide so it's basically Powerglide is the center and five minibots attached to him in vehicle mode around him the Combaticons form Bruticus and then we find out that Powerglide is not happy uh, in his words uh, via the translation the dog has reformatted us in his sadness and anger. And the Minibots then use the Minibot Warrior Spiral Attack, which is basically Powerglide doing a uh, spin at a high speed, like a drill, and drills a hole through the middle of Bruticus. Uh, the Compatagons then flee, and the Autobots transform. We'll actually see Hubcap uh, in the group here, uh, which is a nice uh, rare thing prior to uh, post-G1 comics. Powerglide, he removes the dog corpse from his cockpit and vows to protect life from the Decepticons and according to the translation, no matter the cost. Uh, so <laughs> this is how we um, begin to segue into Scramble City via the comics and how we begin to segue into uh, Season 3 in Japan. And with that, I'm going to segue into the end of the show. Now, of course, if you like the show, please subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher uh, or Apple Podcasts, as it's now called, uh, or at Google Play, um, Spotify. We are just about everywhere you enjoy podcasts. And, of course, uh, the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash T-F-U-I-N-F-O. That's youtube.com slash T-F-U-I-N-F-O. Now, if you want to help the show, two best ways you can do it. One completely free way to do it. Use our Amazon links tfu.info slash Amazon. It'll take you right to Amazon.com. Buy whatever you want. It won't cost you any more, and Amazon helps us out along the way. Now, if you want to help directly, our Patreon. Patreon.com slash tfuinfo. That's Patreon.com slash tfuinfo. For as little as a dollar a month, you could subscribe to the Patreon, get a whole bunch of bonus goodies, get some heads up on what's coming on the show, uh, even have a chance to be on the show with uh, some of the levels and so much more. Finally, social media. Let's do this quickly. Twitter at TFU underscore info. Facebook.com slash TFU info. Instagram.com slash TFU info. And of course, on the web at www.tfu.info. World's longest running Transforming Toy Archive. Next time on the show, we are coming back to the United States. USA! 
and we're going to talk a little bit more about Transformers the movie. One piece of the film that seems to be uh, a consistent favorite with people uh, is the soundtrack. So we will talk the TFTM soundtrack and the score from Vince DiCola next time, episode 66. I am your host, Anthony Brucali. Till next time, see ya.